de Global Latin Factor Podcast. Welcome, welcome you and all to another episode of the Global Latin Factor Podcast where we talk about Latino everything. I'm your host, Crispin Valentin, and today we have a very special episode and I'm going to tell you all about it. But first, I got a correction to make from the previous episode, the Bad Bunny episode. So what I usually do is Google and look at videos. Everything I found said that his dad was from the Dominican Republic and his mother was Puerto Rican. So later on, I found a video after we had already released the episode that he's fully 100% Boricua, Puerto Rico. So I have to fix that. Even though in the comments, there's back and forth that he his dad is Dominican. So I'm going to go based off what he said on the interview, Bad Bunny, and he said that he's 100%. Puerto Rican, so that's what we're going to go for that. All right, so now with that out of the way, let me go ahead and get started because if you look at the screen right now, I got this very special book right now. Why? Because we have SGN, a seasoned educator, polished author, born in El Salvador, raised in Los Angeles, and we're going to have his co-author joining us later. Jay Flo was born and raised in Huntington Park, is also an educator, podcaster, lover of nature, a philosopher and a full-time fool. We have Angel SGN Romero and Jesus Flores, a.k.a. Jake Flo, author of This Fool, Seven Lessons for Burros and Bag Chasers by SGN and Jake Flo of Elotes Books that sold over 700 copies and more. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm doing excellent today. Thank you for having me, Crispina. I appreciate it. Awesome. And real quickly, tell us where you're located right now. Yeah, so right now I'm in the San Fernando Valley, California. That's where I work. I'm actually inside my office uh, at the school at which I work. Awesome. I appreciate you. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get to a segment that I like to call Preguntas al Chile. So right now we have the right. graphics playing. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube, go ahead and do so. If you are just listening to the audio, we do have the YouTube video that you can look at. It. It's 4K. looks beautiful. And you'll be able to see this beautiful book that I have here. Okay, you ready? Yes, sir. So some of them are going to be a lot of Mexicano ones, but I got you, though. I got you. I got the savvy side. So tacos or tortas? Tacos. Corn tortilla or flour tortilla? 100% corn. Okay. Mexican coca or jarrito? Jarritos. Okay. What flavor? Orange. Okay. Naranja. Agua de horchata, jamaica o tamarindo? Horchata. Okay. Salsa verde, salsa roja? Híjole. Salsa roja. Okay. We're going to get to the, this one or that one. Gorditas or pupusas? Pupusas. Ajá. Uh -huh. Salvadorian tamales <laughs> or Mexican tamales? Ah, Salvadorian, baby. Okay. Marquesote or tres leches cake? Tres leches cake. Elote loco or elote in a cup, Mexican style? Ooh, elote loco. Okay. Carne guisada or lomo entomatado? I never had the second, so carne guisada. Carne guisada, it is. Some of those are uh, Salvadorian dishes. Churro oh, or salvi. flan? Ooh. Uh, churro. Okay. Menudo pozole. Pozole. Valentina, cholula, or uh, el tapatio sauce. Uh, tapatio. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you ever had the Mexican candy, the paletitas. They come in like can, like sandia, elote, mango. Which one would you like? Uh, 
Uh, I would probably go with sandia. Okay. And the last one, the bread, conchitas, the brown one, the pink one, or the white ones? Oh, the conchas, probably the white ones. The chocolate ones. Awesome. Okay. So when you hear the term Latino, what comes to mind first? Yeah, bro. When I hear the term Latino, uh, because I'm in the Southwest, because I grew up in uh, L.A., uh, usually I think Mexican or Salvadoran or Central American, uh, but I also think about like someone of Latin American descent, either living in Latino America or in the United States or abroad. Awesome. And do you identify as a Latino? Do you care if anybody says that you're a Latino or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with it. I, I, I accept the term Latino. Um, I personally identify as a Salvadoreño. So when people ask me, like, you know, what's your background? I usually say I'm Salvadoran. Or Salvadorian, nice. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, um, so I know you've done different interviews, but however, during that time, we're like, man, I wish they would have asked me this. Do you have anything in, in, that comes to mind at first whenever you? A question that I wish they would they would have asked me? Yes. Damn, that's a really good question, actually. Um, nah, man, like, I, 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 at this point of, of my career, you know, as an educator and as a writer, I really just enjoy the process, bro. Everyone has a different creative process as far as their podcast and their outlet. So for me, bro, I just go with the flow. Like, I, I, I let them ask what questions they're going to ask. Um, so at this point, I, I just let the interview do their, do their thing, you know? Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm ready. I got a lot of questions. Okay. My first question for you is, uh, do you remember how your trip was from El Salvador to here? I know you were small and it was uh, many years ago, but do you kind of remember what the journey was like? Dang, I've actually never been asked that question on an interview. So uh, let me think about this. I would say I do remember, bro. I remember being very confused. Mm -hmm. I remember not having too much prep time for my abuelita. It was just more like, oh, mira. Mira, mijito, te vas a ir con este señor y este señor te va a llevar a conocer a tu mamá y a tu papá. Because I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, well, I had already met my father because he had been in El Salvador for a bit, but he left uh, after my mother left. Right. But I don't remember my mother. So that was, I mean, I mean, I don't want to get into too much detail, but all I do remember, bro, is I experienced hunger for a little bit. It took about three days and I was with a complete stranger. And I just know that. I got to the United States from that was that. Yeah, and I remember you saying uh, in the in the book. I don't know, I don't want to give too many things about the book, but you did mention that briefly, and and uh, I respect the part that you don't want to get into much of the details. But the only reason why I want to ask is because I'm from Mexico too, and I it's a similar story like yours. Like my grandma and grandpa, they like my grandpa's the one that took us on the bus to the border, and same thing they gave us to some strangers that we never met. <laughs> And crossed over and then got to the States. And, and it was illegal for some time until we, we got legalized. Uh, but, yeah, it was a similar journey. It's crazy, bro, to think about. Like, we're so little and we go through so much. And then and then you grow up and you're like, damn, like, we really did that, you know? We really did that. How old were you? I was 11. How, were, how old were you? I was seven, bro. You were seven I was a youngster. Man, I can't believe you still remember some of that stuff. Bro, I thank God every day, bro, that I even made it, bro. Because you don't know. Some kids don't make it, you know? Some oh, people yeah. don't make it. Yeah, there's horror stories. People left in the desert. Like, my mom, and uh, whenever she was trying to cross over with my uncle, they got robbed. And luckily, it was just something, you know, just robbed, took their stuff, and then that's it. But that was way back in the days. But, yeah, you're right. Wow. There's, there's so many stories that are not told that of 
horrible things that happen and people don't make it. They they get stuck trying to make it to the American dream. So it's awesome that we're here. Yeah, for real. Okay, so one thing about as far as you, wh- wh- how, what, where does your name come? Where does the SGN come from? What does that mean exactly? Because I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. Years. Absolutely. So SGN is uh, my pen name. So that's one of my alter egos. I write as SGN. My legal name is Angel Romero, but mm-hmm. my pen name or my alter ego is SGN. So what it stands for is scholar, gamer, nerd. I'm a scholar first, a gamer second, and a nerd always. And that's your YouTube that channel, mean? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to have a, I mean, I still got the channel. It, it, it cracked off for a little bit, but then I kind of just wanted to focus on my writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it really stands for, bro, it stands for this idea of like, be whoever you want to be. Uh, as a kid, I grew up in an environment where, you know, a boy could only be like one or two things, you know, and eventually I outgrew that kind of like limited mindset. And I was like, man, I'm not trying to be like a one dimensional fool, you know? Absolutely. And, and so I embraced the the thing that I told, I was told as a youngster that I could not be, which was a nerd, you know, there ain't no Latino nerds, you know, ain't no Salvi nerds in the hood. And mm-hmm. I was like, forget that. Like, I want to be that, you know? So I said, I said, F that, like, I want to be who I want to be. And that was kind of the moniker, the pen name, if you will, that I went for nice. scholar gamer nerd. That's dope. And I like that approach about how our own people growing up, try to put us in a category that we're not able to be anything more than what your parents or, or whatever else was, or your hood people from your hood, instead of being able to open like the mind to the people that they can be different things it you know and we so want to just have people label us and and keep us in that in that area for whatever reason and it's it's great that you're like you know what it's not going to be that it's whatever i feel like because it's at the end of the day it's going to be your life you know it's going to be your story that you're writing so that's that's right. i appreciate that okay so i know you sh- briefly share a story about how it started but do you remember the light bulb moment when y'all decided to write this beautiful book that i have here i have a copy of it confession real quickly that i told you earlier i'm not a big reader i don't read often i really don't okay it, it's very valid, challenging i like audio i like to hear a podcast i like to hear different videos but i did finish y'all's book i read the entire wow. book from from cover to cover Thank you, bro. That means a lot to us, man. I salute you and, and I thank you for taking the time to read it. Yeah. And then whenever you reach out, I know you wanted to send, but I, you know what? No, I have to support you because I have to buy it. I have to be able to be like, like, I know you, if you wanted to, you could have probably sent it to me, but not like, no, nah, let me go ahead and take the time to support whatever they're doing. It looks great. I think it's a different approach as far as a book. It stands out different. And as far as the lessons itself, it's just, you know, it's, it's empowering. It's, uh, it has some things that are really I can re- remember going through when I was younger. And I was like, oh, yeah, now it makes sense to me, right? Because I'm a little older. But when I was right. reading through it, oh, yeah, I remember that when I was going through my life in that, in that point of time or this and that. Um, but uh, back to the question, do you ever remember the actual light bulb moment when it say, uh, let's write a book? Yeah, Christine, that is an excellent question. And I do. Uh, so Jesus is actually somebody who I met uh, later on in my journey. You know, I didn't grow up with him. We grew up in different neighborhoods, different, you know, different, uh, different sections of the city, uh, just entirely different lives, you know, but our, our careers brought us together in the community of Watts, which is in South Central. So we were both teachers in 2016 at Jordan high school. 
in a neighborhood called Watts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh but it's yeah, very, I've heard of Watts. <laughs> okay, Michelle, sure. it's a it, it's a very um, it's a very infamous, I guess you could say, neighborhood due to the poverty and a lot of the violence and stuff that goes on there. But there's a lot of brilliance and creativity. So we were blessed to work with kids in that community at the high school level. Nice. And one of the one of the recurring themes that we noticed as we were educating and teaching the kids in English and history um, and learning about their stories and their trauma is that a lot of foods needed healing, but they weren't gone. And there were sometimes some were resorting to drugs, some were resorting to gangs, some were resorting to other types of uh, violence or whatever the case may be. And Jesus and I were going through kind of our healing journeys, you know, since we're obviously older than the students, and more mature, right? We were going through our healing journeys and, and we we're going in our our therapy journeys and our, our self-help books and, and becoming more educated fools, I guess, mm-hmm. trying to become more um trying to become more centered people. More right? self-aware. Moving away from the tr- more self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, more more trying to be a person of service to our community. And when we kept talking and we were like, bro. Like, we need a message. Like, we need to write a book, dog. And we just kept talking about it, right? We need to write a book, bro. We need to write a self-help book for foods, dog. Like, mm-hmm. what if we read the four, what if we wrote the four agreements, but for foods? Like, what if we read, we wrote the seven habits of highly effective burros? We would just joke like that, you know? Um, but then one day, this little thing called the pandemic, the COVID-19 oh, yeah. pandemic oh, yeah, kicked that. off. And we got to teach from home, bro. They were like, yo, you guys are going to work from home now. And we were like, dog, this, this is going to cut down our commute time by hours. These are all these hours we're going to get back. So Jesus and I, we sat down. You know, we had, we had already built like a really solid friendship. Nice. I respected his principles. I respected his background. He respected mine. We became good friends. And then we were like, dog, let's write this book. So we basically became business par- partners slash co- co-authors. And the pandemic really was... It facilitated that like idea we had. So the light bulb moment, I guess, was when the pandemic kicked off. We're like, here we go, bro. This is our chance. This is our like one chance, one opportunity. That's dope. That's awesome. And I like the fact that y'all take the the concept of that fool word that sometimes it's kind of seen like I wouldn't say it's like a bad term, but it's not really taking somebody that's like serious or anything like that, or anybody that's educated, and y'all flip that. And be like, no, you can be like, if you want to be that, you can be that. But you can also be educated within that same term. You know, you don't have to be just a fool just because. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Right, right. Absolutely, bro. Uh, I'm glad you took note of that because language really matters, right? Mm -hmm. And I think historically the word fool or fool, like, what's up, fool? Like, where you from, fool? Right. Like, that's what you hear in the neighborhood, right? At right. least here in LA, right? Um, and it becomes a part of the culture, right? But it's not just part of, it's not just a part of like street culture. It's just a part of the culture, you know, like, hey, fool, let's go, you know? 
where are you going, fool? And then everyone just says it. So we were like, yo, there's food's gone wild, which is cool. But what if we were a food's gone educated? educated. You know, <laughs> foods that went to college, you know, foods that want to improve the community, foods that want to be more than just like the local hood food, you know? Yeah. Um, which there's nothing wrong with. I'm not judging. You know, I'm not judging, you know, the homies that get it how they live in the hood. I'm Absolutely. just saying, like, there's a lot of different ways to be a fool. And we were like, we just wanted to show one. We wanted to be the educated fools. And we kind of we kind of turned healing into a lighthearted topic, you know, because it's yeah. hard to talk about your trauma, bro. You Absolutely. know, it's hard to talk about your problems. So we wanted to kind of give it a a, a culturally relevant, funny twist to real problems, real issues that people in the Latino community, in the Mexican community, in the Central American community deal with on a daily basis. And that's how we came up with this for like this for, you know, because it's relatable, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. And not to mention that there is fools that are educated. Some of them came from the hood and are doing the, the other stuff. So they still relate exactly. to that word, but they've been doing this stuff and they couldn't identify with any more back to their roots. And then now you can see like, hey, you can still like be, it's not a, like a bad thing to be a fool, but you're educated and you have your degree, you have your business or whatever it is. So that's dope. Yeah, exactly, bro. I think I think that is a point that that's a very important, critical point that you're highlighting, Crispin, is this idea that there are foods for many walks of life, right? There are foods who are doctors, there are foods who are lawyers, creatives, entertainers, teachers like myself or like Jesus. And so I think in popular culture, and I'm sure you can you can relate to this, there tends to be an emphasis on the ignorance of, of, of the cultura, mm-hmm. right? On right. the bad things that are happening, right? The violence uh, and so on and so forth. The crime, right? There's no emphasis on creatives like yourself, right? On writers like myself. It tends to be like, think about my country, for example, right? El Salvador. Like, when you turn on the news, it's typically something that's about the gangs or about the poverty or about the crime, right? Uh, there's no conversation about all the Salvadoreños that have migrated to the United States and started businesses have become professionals, right? Have, have are, are being productive members of the community. Right. And so for us, we wanted to kind of put our name out there like, hey, we're here, we exist, we're real. And you young babies growing up in the hood, we see you, we love you and you can do it and don't give up. I know life is hard, but don't give up, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that, too, because you're right. Uh, For whatever reason, like the negative talk and the negative conversation usually like goes higher and and it gets more views than the positive things. And that's some of the reasons what I started the podcast, too, because even though there's there is Latino podcasts, I feel like we need more and more presence and the bigger the numbers, the better to show and highlight people such as yourself, such as, you know, some entrepreneurs locally that I have talked to and, and different people that have come from different places, uh, either in Mexico or from Colombia or different uh, Peru. You know, I've talked to di- different people like that. And it's awesome for me to be able to highlight, even though the, they might be not in a bigger scale, but at the end of the day, they came and made a journey through hardship and are here now and doing like entrepreneurship or, you know, uh, influencers, whatever the case might be. So, yeah, I think it's important to keep keep the content going and, of course, keep the books going. And, and that's awesome. OK, why seven lessons? Why not more? Why not less? Why was seven the perfect number? <laughs> yeah, bro, that's an excellent question, right? Um, 
to be honest with you, we we are students of the game, right? We we read a lot. We like to educate ourselves and personal development books and self-help books have really become a central part of our development and our growth right. as educated foods. Mm-hmm. And so there's a very popular book called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, mm. And so that was one of the books that I really appreciate. And then you have The Four Agreements, right? And you have a bunch of books, but there tends to be this this like set now or 12 rules for life. And I don't know, for whatever reason, the number seven, we just really liked it. We felt like that was a good number of lessons that, that we could share uh, with our community, with our people. And it wasn't overwhelming, you know? It, seven is like digestible. I'm sure you 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 read the book pretty quickly. It's a, it's a digestible book. We felt like it was a, a, a small enough number where you can digest it, but also a big enough number where it didn't feel like we're just giving you like one or two basic lessons, you know? So that really came from looking at the industry patterns, industry trends, and trying to sort of like put our little grain of salt in the personal development space. Yeah. So my experience on reading the book, you're right. It is easy read. You know, some of the words uh, here, there's, there's a few words that are a little bit because both your educators went to school. So some of the, the language is, is not super hard, but a couple words, maybe they're my, Oh, what is that? I have to look it up. But other than that, relatable to the stories that y'all share, and not to mention, you don't want to, you don't make it a one fits all, meaning that this is just my experience, right? This might not right. be for you, but at the end of the day, this is what happened to me. Maybe if you read this, this could be for you, or this could be something that you've been struggling for. Well, here, here's somebody that's done it before, like kind of like a mentor that's showing that they've been there and how did they get out of this situation or how can they progress or what's the next move and things like that. So yeah, I, I had a mm-hmm. easy time reading it. Again, usually... I don't read much, but I did it. And yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Easy read, uh, easy to to get and digest, like you mentioned, and easy to get into some of the, the lessons that you talked about and, and related in, in, the, in the manner of the wording that you use sometimes as far as like making it not too hip, but hip at the same time. So where you're not just strictly about business, but here and there add a couple of jokes, a few things that were funny, and then a few things that were just like kind of like you know, hip hopish culture that you can kind of relate if if you like things like that. So like, oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yo, I appreciate you sharing that feedback, Crispin, because as you know, we are independently published authors. So we did everything ourselves, right? From yes. the from the inception to the revision to the editing to the drafting to the concept, right? Everything was done by us. And so the fact that you were able to connect and reflect on that. I really appreciate it. And to your other point regarding um, the idea that Latinos, that is not like one monolithic experience, you're right. Like we are very complex people as as Latinos, right? It's, there's not like one type of way to be a Latino. And so we really wanted to emphasize like, yo, this is just our experience. This is how we felt about it. If you connect with it, cool. If not, that's cool too. We respect it, you know? Hey, yeah. Jesus is on. Let's get it. I can't see me yet, Jesus, but we, we weren't able to get the camera going on my side, but I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me, Jesus? J-Flo, we're good? Okay. So we were just talking, getting into the book. I was telling them I usually don't read books. I'm not a big reader, strong. I like to listen more stuff, but I was able to read the entire book. And I told them I have the book in my hand. I went and actually bought the book. 
Uh, I know that he might suggest he want to send me one, but I wanted to support whatever you had going on. So I bought the book. And even though I don't read often, I I took the whole book and it was easy to digest, easy to understand some of the lesson, easy to be relatable as far as like being like some of the wording that I use, sharing your stories, but not a one fits all type of stuff. It's just kind of sharing your story and hopefully it can enlighten somebody, which I think some people are going to benefit out of it. That's what I was just telling uh, uh, S SGN. Thank you, brother. That means a lot, man. I, I really appreciate when when foods can connect on that tip, you know, because I know reading really ain't a thing, you know, like for a lot of people. So for us to make something readable and digestible and like uh, make it like the part of reading that that is really hard to connect with is like, why? That's everyone's every, why. Why should I spend my time right after work or after doing this and that? So that means a lot. Yeah, and then the the questions that you put after every lesson. I'm not trying to give all the secrets on the book, but yeah, I do have a method of a couple of questions to reflect on. So a lot of the time we forget. Sometimes that we read, we don't take the time to just like sit on the things that we just read. And some of those questions kind of sort of helped kind of reflect a little bit on what you have just finished reading, which I think is important sometimes to read for a few minutes and pause and just meditate or, or just you know, kind of ponder on what you just finished reading to better comprehend the message that you were trying to put. So I think it is well done as far as those type of questions. It was, I liked it. I liked it because it made me think again. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So it was dope. Interactive. I'm really glad you brought that up, Greaseman, because the this book in, in many ways, I would argue, was inspired by our training slash philosophical approach to our teaching. Right. We're very inquiry based educators. What does right. that mean? That means that we don't believe in just like depositing knowledge into your brain and now you got to spit it back. Nah, nah, nah. It's more about like, what does this mean to you? How can you make meaning out of this information? Because let's keep it 100. If you read something, but it doesn't connect, it really has no meaning to your life. Right. right? So you just put it, you know, you put that book back. Right. And so for us, those questions were very essential in the sense that we wanted you to start a relationship, not not just with our book, but with yourself, like with that idea. So so that so that the reader, you know, can explore that deeper. That's the value that we felt like the value. One of the value propositions that we bring that's unique in a sense, because we want we want the experience to be the readers, even though we're sharing our stories, our reflections. It's really about how what jewels the reader can pick up. Not to mention, again, you made it somewhat interactive because whether you want it or not, you kind of, even though it's within the mind, you interact with whatever the read and within the questions too, you start like your, your, your gears start turning in your head because, you know, you have to kind of sort of like think about the question. <laughs> Facts. Okay. Facts. So how long did it take total for you to get the back and forth and everything for you to complete the book? That's a great question. You want to take that, Jesus? It was about a year, brother, uh, a year of like of uh, the complete scope. Okay. But the writing process, the the thing uh, like SGN, man, like you could give him a prompt right now and he'll write you five essays tonight. You That's know, That's so nice. like writing is fun, bro. It's like it's like your creative process, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, you, you can get things done in a few months. So the writing portion was actually like the easiest part i think the writing portion probably took no more than six months right nice. the other six months was really like thinking about 
the cover work, thinking about the editing, right? Thinking about um, how are we going to go ahead and and distribute this, right? Thinking right. about like all the logistical pieces of uh, creating a product. Uh, so overall, like putting all that together, it took about a solid year. Oh, nice. And I, I enjoy the I enjoy the work. I'm looking at it right now. I enjoy the artwork, the burro, <laughs> the the font, everything. It looks nice. The the hip uh, clothes with the jewelry, <laughs> everything. It's, it's dope. I like it. I like it a lot. And thank uh, you. Thank you. OK, so for both of y'all, this question is for both, because I know y'all talk on part of the book and I, I don't want to give everything as far as the book. But y'all do talk about and address trauma, which I think is important. But I also think forgiveness is very important. So is there any book that y'all read or w what is y'all's process as far as uh, working forgiveness, any exercises or anything like that? Or maybe a read or maybe something that you heard that can help the process, because I think it's very important as far as the healing process, if you're able to exercise forgiveness, because a lot of the times people don't understand. I feel it's very important for the same reason that it's not on, it's not for that person, whoever hurt you. It's just mostly for oneself to be able to further one as far as like healing and, and, and also surpassing your traumas and things like that. Yeah, I, I can go first, bro. So for me, uh, the way that I have uh, been able to embrace this idea of forgiving uh, those who have hurt me, uh, particularly loved ones who have hurt me, uh, yeah. has been through uh, just uh, deep, man, well, you asked me about a book, so I'm not going to get into outside of book. Okay, so a book. I would say the four agreements, bro. I, I've said that in other interviews and, mm -hmm. and, and I, I talk about that book offline, online, off live, <laughs> on live, and I'll never stop preaching positively about that book because of the impact that it had in my life as a young misguided fool trying to become a professional, trying to make something of himself. So the four agreements uh, is a very important personal development book that I think everyone should read no matter where they are on their journey because it teaches life principles in a very practical way. So one of the things that it teaches is that we should not take anything personally. And you're like, okay, well, that's basic advice. But he's like, no, 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 no. The way he breaks it down is that nothing anyone does is because of you. What, what they're doing is just projecting whatever they're feeling, right? Their insecurities, their fears, their anger, et cetera. Therefore, when we accept that, as our truth, we're basically in agreement with what they're doing, whether that's our truth or not. And so for me, that was a very powerful realization that like, cool. So my upbringing and the, the negative things I experienced growing up weren't because of me. It was simply like my environment, things that I couldn't control. Right. And so that really allowed me to forgive and also compassion, bro. There is another book called uh, Tattoos on the Heart, The Boundless Power of Compassion by mm -hmm. Father Gregory Boyle. And even though like I, the people that are described in the book, the message of compassion and forgiving those who have hurt you really resonates in that, in that book. And so that's how I was able to forgive some of those who have hurt me. It's like, oh, you were hurt. So hurt people, hurt people, got it. So I was hurt by hurt people. And therefore, it's my job to break that generational curse and not pass that trauma down. So empathy and compassion, I'll leave it at that and pass it on to my bro, Jesus. Hey, man, I was going to talk about the same book, Tattoos in the Heart, uh, Father Gregory Boyle. I mean, that's that's a 
That's a white dude that did great work in the hood. You know, he starts the chapter talking about how many funerals he's had to lead, you know, and like we personally know that, right? Mm-hmm. Like having all these friends that were involved in this and this and this and that, like the 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 pain and the reality is so is so true that we can't ignore, you know, we can't ignore the pain, which causes us to deflect as much as possible and never want to forgive, right? Yeah. Never want to forgive all the fools that have been fucking up and been fucking up our streets and doing us dirty, possibly hurt our families. But through that exemplar of like compassion, it really, it really goes to show, bro. Like um, it's, it's, it's about having love for everything and everyone. And it, it starts with yourself. Right. So, so that was a key component of that book. Um, also for me, like, you know, I'm not religious, nor am I Christian, nor am I anything of that nature, but I, I did grow up in, in, in a sect of Christianity. So I, I would read the Bible and I was a big fan of like the words of Jesus. Right. And like what he would speak and the actions that were behind that. And a lot of that, a lot of that was about forgiveness, you know, which yeah. you, you really think about it and you're like, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Holy shit. Eventually you realize that it's not, you're not, it's not so much about forgiving your mom or your dad or your homies or the streets. It's more about forgiving yourself, bro. Cause that's the person that you meet every single day. And, and when you learn to forgive yourself, it's so much easier to just live through life as an imperfect human being, uh, which is like, why well, I really appreciate that book, the Bible whether it's just tales or whatever we want to say, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's dope instructional um, in, in that realm. Also like a lot of like Buddhist, you know, principles uh, of accepting life for what it is. Right. That, that also is key and connected to, to, to forgiveness, man. Forgiveness is key, man. Thank you for bringing that up for sure. Yeah. So the, uh, the empathy part I think is super important because once you get to that point, you kind of sort of can see it from the other person as far as like the reason maybe why they're acting a certain way, you, they might be hurt, like you said, and they only doing what they've been knowing all their life. They don't know any better, you know? So it's kind of hard to change anybody that doesn't know any different until they know better. And then mm. that's when you move on. For me, the, like we all different, like you said, yeah, I read, but most of for me it was a, a video that I found on YouTube. I think uh, it was a, a white lady. Her name was uh, Louise Hayes. And she has a forgiveness exercise where you you close your eyes and you picture the people that hurt you and you, you know, play like you forgive, like you tell them, I forgive you and, you know, get to the point where you can hug them and you can do different people and you don't necessarily have to go to that person. It's just all in the mind. You close your eyes and you just keep doing and doing until you run into that person and nothing happens. Like there's no nothing. There's like, okay, I get it. I forgive you. And that that's it. And you move on and it feels relieved a few times. I, you know, I, I came off from my eyes. Uh, close with tears because some of them were very tough, uh, especially like you said earlier, some of the loved ones, the one that touched you, like uh, hurt you in that manner. They all of a sudden like it's it's kind of hard, but at the same time, you know, it's important because you got to move on and, and it's going to keep you in the same place if you don't pass that. And that's the one that I, I used. It wasn't a reading. It was more of a, of a, a video, 
but it, it practiced. And I still, to this day, sometimes it cuts me off. Somebody cuts me off on the road. I sometimes go later on the day of I reflect and, and go and do the same exercise, even though I don't know who that person is. But at the same time, I'm not going to keep it inside of me so I can just, you know, keep progressing as a person. And, and that's dope. I appreciate that. Yeah, sharing that. Okay, so I like the fact that you both are Latinos and were able to reveal some personal things that could put you in a vulnerable position in the book. And it's appreciated that you were able to share some of those things. How hard was that to do that and put it in the book? And that's for both of y'all. Go for it, Chewy. I've been, I think I've always worn my heart on my sleeve, which is a strength and a weakness. It's a strength because if you're trying to do the hard work with kids, women, whoever, um, you have to be, uh, it's a sign of leadership. You know what I mean? Like, I can't respect somebody that's trying to tell me what to do, but they can't be open, honest, transparent, because I'll see right through it and I won't respect it. Right. I, I won't listen. I will rebel because there is no real uh, transparency. Therefore, there will be no real respect. So if I want to be uh, a leader in that respect, I got to speak truthfully. You know, I got to be I got to be honest with myself. So another part is like writing. I never really meant this book to be this thing that was going to be in prisons, that was going to be in high schools, that was going to be in homies all over the place from Australia to Mexico to the United States. That was never my intention. My intention was to heal myself through the act of writing. And it just so happened that, you know, it took on its own wings. Um, so I'll leave it right there. Nice. So it's kind of, it was therapy for you at the end of the day. Uh, Absolutely. Help you out. That's dope. Absolutely. What about yourself, Andrew? Yeah. Very similar to Jesus. Uh, we, we made a very intentional decision to utilize this not only as a way to create a, a legacy and write a book, which is very important to us, but it was cathartic for us. It was very cathartic for me personally, especially chapter one, the embrace of trauma. I actually cried a couple of times during writing that chapter because it was almost like I should have titled that in search of forgiveness, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I was almost searching for that forgiveness towards, I talk about it in the book towards my parents, you know? Yep. Um, and there are some things that I left out, you know what I mean? Cause, cause I, just out of respect, you know, out of respect for their humanity, I didn't get super deep into it. I was, I was, I was intentional. I was careful uh, about how I, uh, I shared that story, but understanding that it was my story, you know, and I was, I was going to control that narrative. I was going to decide how that story is told. So for me, um, digging deep into the depths of my soul, into the, the volcanic eruptions of my pain in my heart, that's what led to that chapter for me personally. So the process was cathartic. It was healing. Uh, and I recommend it, even if you don't want to write a book, you know, just write out how you feel about something, you know, or even like another practice. Like I know you talked about uh, the visualization, uh, the mental visualization of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Excellent practice. Another one that I actually learned in church, actually, even though I don't go to church anymore, uh, you write down like uh, some reflection or something that hurt you and then you burn it. You know, oh, yeah, that's yeah. another little practice, you know, like I've done that in my life, in my personal time. You know, I don't think I've ever shared this with anyone, but I, have. you know, I wrote, I wrote some things down that so some people I want to forgive, 
you know, uh, some, some things that I wanted to just get off my, uh, off my heart, you know, like those, those rocks that we carry in our backpacks, right. Uh, Jesus, who's the Dean of, uh, culture at our school, he does this dope, uh, professional development. And I don't even know why I'm talking about it. You should be talking about it, but, but I, I'm a big you up right now, bro. He does his dope professional development at our school where um, he talks about restorative practices, right? So at my school, we practice restorative discipline, restorative practices, right? Because we don't want to contribute to the high dropout rates of school of, of kids. So he talks about the trauma that they carry. And in this exercise, he puts on a backpack. And in that backpack, he puts on like multiple heavy rocks, right? And mm-hmm. one of the rocks could be like, uh, you know, uh, dealing with poverty, dealing with verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, hunger, uh, divorced parents. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things, right, that that kids that come from tough backgrounds have to experience, right? And and it was crazy during the exercise because I was watching this. I was like, damn, this is dope. And the more rocks you remove, right, the lighter the backpack becomes. And that's basically life, bro. The more traumas you unpack and unpack, and and just leave behind the lighter you become spiritually dog yeah and that's kind of what this process was for me you know i became a little lighter you know i'm not saying i'm fully healed you know because healing is is a journey is a process right it's a process not a destination right but we felt much better after it and the fact that we were able to impact lives i mean bless bro bless I like the, uh, I heard about that exercise, but the crazy thing is that when you do it, it really does something, right? I don't know what the magic is behind it, whether it's the visualization when you close your eyes, the way it's burning, writing down the papers are burning it. I don't know why, but it works. <laughs> it works like magic. It really does do something to you. It really lifts some some weight off your shoulders that you need to be carrying around. It's kind of like the same example about the, the rocks in the bag. Like once you start gearing real, some of you be like realize how, how smooth more and, and, how nicely and more happy you can go through life without having to have those and, and really having to talk about whatever happened and, and, and move through that so you can be, you know, kind of lighter um, for lack of better words. Okay. So I like the fact that y'all were able to switch back and forth on the lessons. Like you'll do one uh, and then um, J flow will do the other one. And that's super dope. But as far as writing the, the seven ones, is there any, particular one i know you said the first one was tougher for you and, and more to heart uh what about yourself uh jay flow was there any any of the lessons that you wrote that was like like it was tougher to do but you got through it or looking back once you finish re- uh, writing it you'll be like oh man i didn't realize what i have i finished writing i think it's going to change somebody or, or touch somebody at least honestly i think a lot of the like the like the family family stuff i think is is the the part that is the most difficult because you know I don't it's not like I want to put my family on blast or or have this sense of like ungratefulness or none of that bro because I am who I am because of that you know mm-hmm. um and like all the trials and tribulations and everything is 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 has led me to to what I am today and I'm very proud of who I've become um so I would say like like every chapter, there was a certain piece of information that I thought about. It and I was like, damn, should I say this shit? You know, should, <laughs> like, should I let the world know? Uh, and then at the end of the day, um, I had 
I used to have a podcast and I was already very open, you know, and I would talk about I would talk about my life, you know, and, and some people would be like, damn, bro, like, like, why do you why did you say that about your dad? I was like, because it's true. You know what I mean? Like, how am I ever going to be able to accept reality if I'm hiding, if I'm running away from the truth? A fact is a fact, you know, and I think I think uh, we just have to you know, do a pros and cons list in our head real quick and decide like, is it going to be worth it? And I think so far it has been worth it because I think the way that you create something for the long term is you do you, right? Which is, I think one of the chapters, follow your heart, right? So in following my heart, yeah. I did what I wanted to do instead of following like the crowd or following what's cool or following what's the wave, Right. Ain't nobody think writing books is cool. You know what I mean? Like this one time I was kicking it with some homies and uh, their older brother, like I heard him like whisper to his brother. He was like, Man, what the fuck writes books? And <laughs> and I laughed and, and I didn't take it no personal way because like that's how, that's like homies that that don't read or are uneducated or whatever. Like that's just what it is, you know, and it's just like it's nothing personal. Uh, cause most people will be like, food, just why don't you sell micheladas? You know, you really want to make money. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, it's cool. You know, like I'm not trying to do that. You know, I'm trying to be me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to explore every possibility that comes from me, like originally. And, um, so following your heart, bro, for me is like something super important. I live by that. Um, it gets me in trouble sometimes. It, it makes me do like stupid decisions sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's who I am. And um, I'm going to live by that. So following your heart, that's mine. Awesome. Okay. And was there any other one uh, besides the, the first one that you did for uh, Angel? Or is it uh, any other one that kind of touched you more besides that one? Uh, yeah, man. I think I would say the second lesson that comes to mind at the moment based on that question would be uh, find your island. Um, yeah. And and that I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into that lesson because I want I want people to read the book or spark some interest. But find your island is just this idea of like find a physical or a mental space where you can be at peace to be yourself, to be creative, to explore, you know, any idea or way of being that you want to explore without like outside forces, like contaminating that. So I would say find your Island. I like the way you put, um, I'm not going to give everything away, but certain things that are related as far as what you listed of the places you've been, I kind of like sleeping on the couch and different things like that. It's like, we were like, we related cause I was the same way. I was sleeping on the couch here until a certain age. You know what I mean? And it's crazy. So you know the struggle, oh, bro. Yeah, you know absolutely. the struggle. I know. So it's it's uh yeah, it's relatable because I'm sure I'm not you and I are not the only ones, and other people are. But it uh, find your island is a great chapter to read and uh you know explore whatever that means and it's awesome. And congratulations. I'm not gonna say on what, but congratulations on what was said on that chapter um for when you found one. So. Read the book to find out what I'm talking about. Okay. Yes, sir. I love that. <laughs> so the, uh, I want to touch up briefly on traveling because I think you talked about it in another podcast, but I think it's super important because I think I've, I've seen different countries, right? And I think it opened my perspective as far as the way people live. 
and I know you touched about it a little bit on it, but how important is traveling and what does it do to oneself when you start seeing other places and the way that other people live? And that's for both of you. Yeah, bro. Uh, powerful, powerful question. So, um, as I stated earlier, I was born in El Salvador. And so, you know, I got to experience my country, you know, for the first seven years of my life, my birth country, um, a beautiful country, you know, um, beautiful greenery. I got to experience the Salvadorian culture. When I came to LA as a youngster, I got to experience a wide diversity of cultures. Uh, uh, when I went to college, I got to uh, travel uh, to many different states uh, through a scholars program. I got to go to New York City. I got to go to uh, Northern Cali. I got to go to Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. I got to go to uh, Chicago, Illinois. I got to go to Utah. I got to go to Idaho. I went to all these different states. And even within the United States, I realized the cultural diversity. Most recently, I got to travel to Mexico, uh, the state of Jalisco, where my wife's family is from. Nice. And what I've learned through traveling is that different cultures are beautiful. There's a lot more out there than your neighborhood, right? Whatever hood you, whatever block you grew up on, the world is much bigger than that, much more bigger and brighter and, and sometimes more beautiful than that. And that's okay to admit. Um, and what it taught me, bro, it opened up my perspective for me, what traveling did. So I'll speak for me. What traveling did for me was that it allowed me to escape the, this whole, like, uh, kind of like this narcissistic, like, uh, you know, LA centric mindset, like LA is the best place ever. And <laughs> LA is the dopest place ever. And, and, and cause you know, I, the only thing I knew about Mexico was all like the media stereotypes, you know, like where they show you like the slums and, and places where there's real poverty. And I know that's valid, you know, I know that's real. So I, I went to my wife's, uh, you know, town and when in Guadalajara, like expecting that, you know, and when I saw people thriving and, and living and and just partying and going to work and celebrating and being happy, I was like, hold awesome. up, I was lied to. Yeah. Like, like, there's a lot of life here, right? It's not just death and sadness. And so for me, it humbled me. It humbled me to respect all cultures, to know that every culture is different and there's a lot of value and diversity in that. And it just opened up my eyes, bro. Just love everyone, respect people and, and open up your mind, dog, like open up your mind. There's a lot out there that you don't know because you don't know what you don't know. No. Yep. True to that. <laughs> what about yourself, Jim Flo? Yeah, that's true, bro. That's true, man. Like opening your mind, bro. Like that's always been one of my things. It's like, oh, like open up that cranium on me. Uh, for me, uh, I remember uh, this is not my thought. I actually got this uh, from Jordan Peterson. He was talking about how when you're a young man, right, you're mm -hmm. the equivalent to uh, a, a bird trying to stretch its wings out of its nest, right? So it's super important for us to leave our homes, especially a lot of us that feel strong connection to home, whatever that place is. It's super important that you get out, you get out as far as possible, you communicate, you engage with people that you never met before. You have to get that shock in order for you and your perspective to be stretched so far out where you realize that you have indeed been limited by your surroundings. 
And when you've realized that, it just makes you so much more rich as a human being. You get all these different perspectives, you get all these different resources. Yeah. And then eventually, if you choose to come back home, bro, you're not the same person. Once you see, you can never unsee. So you come back, you're just like this new person. You're no longer a little pajarito trying to spread the wings. You come back like an eagle, bro, ready to eat. You know what I'm saying? And you're just out <laughs> here like you, you can fly now. You have like this, like uh, this high perspective about life and, and traveling allows that allows us to do that, bro. I was so close uh, to go Chris McCandles. Uh, this is an individual uh, who uh, wrote a book called Into the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, he did not write the book, but the book was inspired by him. Uh, he's, a, he's a character that after college, uh, he had like $20,000 um, that his parents had saved for him, middle class people. And he like literally donated all the money. He got on a he got his backpack on and he like traveled right backpacked all of America. And right. that taught him some crazy lessons about life. Um, unfortunately, you know, he went far out into the wild in Alaska. <laughs> And he he froze to death. He, he oh. you know he he ate some berries, whatever, and he 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 poisoned himself to death. So you know, there's extremes. There's extremes everywhere, and extremes are quite harmful in many respective ways. Um, so we should travel. We should leave home, but we should never forget our roots. Yeah. Our roots are super super important. I lived in Iowa. I lived in Chicago. I lived in a lot of different places. And even though I was doing well in these different places, I never really felt my roots, right? And my roots are in Los Angeles, you know, in Huntington Park. Uh, I, I I came back and I, w- I allowed myself to to flourish, right? So traveling is important. Never forget where you came from. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, so you were saying about what what he was saying. Whenever you go and see different places, and it, it opens your mind. Because I used to be in the military, so I got a chance to travel different places. Oh, nice. But whenever I saw the way the other people were like living in the Middle East and in, uh, in Europe, it just I can't foresee it anymore. Like I can't stop seeing the way that other people and it kind of sees you see the way that they operate, they work. It just they just different. It's just the way that normal life is to them compared to whatever you used to all the time in in your area, your little area, whatever it is. And it's dope. You can't unsee it anymore because, and it gives you more perspective about people that we all different, all kinds of different colors, things, and and cultures, and different different things, and the way that they operate. That it just makes you see it way different. And and it does. It does open your eyes, kind of like, yeah. It just makes you see that and more empathy for people as far as the way that they do stuff. And it's not always the way you do it, the correct way. It's just man, there's so many billions of people that do do life differently than everybody else. Okay. That's beautiful, brother. What branch were you in? Uh, army. Just if you don't mind I was in the army a while back. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So I know, and I know y'all talked about that the school is kind of limited as far as what they can do for a child. Uh, but what do y'all do as far as trying to empower students to not only to get educated and not just to get schooled, what is it that you tell the kids or, or what is it that resources that you provide the kids or or even lectures that you give your kids to to help them open their mind to be educated and not just schooled? Um, I, I've always been straight up with them, bro. I, I let them know. I say, hey, 
a lot of this shit is a trap and we're building you up to be a mindless robot that's going to go ahead and get a job at McDonald's and you're going to be stuck there for the rest of your life. If you don't realize how important it is to think for yourself and to be your own independent self and be driven, right, to do for yourself and your family, like you have to think, bro, if you don't think in this life, you're for sure just going to be like just a random food, like for sure, like Pink Floyd says, you know, another brick in the wall. I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm just saying like some of us are a little bit more colored, you know, and some of us have have through the experiences of life, been shaped in this way or that way. So in my later years of education, I got real big into financial education, right? Because I'm like, yo, bro, like we're like we're 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 facing like real dire generational poverty. So I would make sure that we talked about from the from the basics of like saving 10%, right? right. I think uh George, uh the first name is George. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon, right? I've read books like that with my students, with sophomores. And that book is real, real good at teaching you the basics of what to do with money, how to invest, how to move forward, how to get rich in life, right? I didn't get this information until I was like, maybe like in my mid-20s, right? Versus like, hey, man, we need to be getting this information to our 10-year-olds, our 15-year-olds, and helping them create business plans for them not to live the nine to five jobs because the nine to five jobs kind of like myself, even though I'm kind of like somewhere in between where I was like self-actualized. So like, even though I'm still like working my ass off, I've kind of found a way, perhaps it's just a a self-justification, whatever. We can find all these different um, psychoanalysis of what I'm doing. But in reality, teaching the kids that freedom is possible, but that financial, um, Freedom is one of the core tenets of being a free human being in this country. Like, if, like, don't get me wrong. I tell them you could either get rich and be free or you go full homeless and be free. But which one would you rather be? And most yeah. people are like, well, shit, I'd rather be rich. Right. So I've been real big on teaching the basics of like, you know, whether we're talking about stocks, index funds, even crypto. I've taught my kids how to open up their their decentralized wallets. I taught them how to buy buy ETH, how to buy Bitcoin, you know, very basic things that I think back and I'm like, fool, if somebody was like that passionate and taught me how to buy Bitcoin when I was in high school, it would have been like way game over. Right. So little things like that are things that I've done with my students in the past. That's dope. What are you about, about yourself, SGN? Yeah, bro. As for me, I would say um, I'm really big on literacy and reading. So I really push reading heavy in my classrooms. Uh, I always tell my students in this class, you will read, you will write, you will discuss, you will present, you will speak. And we will learn how to do this academically. I really push literacy. I tell them uh, literacy and knowing how to read and write is one of the most self-empowering things you can do because you can make decisions as to what career you want to pursue, what college university you want to attend, how to read legal documents, et cetera, how to negotiate contracts. Essentially, what I tell them is that language is a tool that can be used for or against you. That's what I teach my students. And so um, I teach them from a standpoint of self-empowerment. So I teach them like, hey, this is knowledge. This is information. Uh, These are just tools, right? I'm like, think of this class as a toolbox. Take what you need, leave what you don't, right? In a toolbox, you don't need everything, right? For every job, you just need certain things. So I tell them in in my, so in my journalism class, for example, 
one of the very first exercises we do outside of like the newsletter and all like the journalism related stuff is they have to tell their stories. Uh, but they don't just have to tell their stories like whatever they want. I give them very specific structure. Like how did how did like your social life, what is the most impactful social uh, situation you've ever been in? What was the most impactful family uh, situation you've ever been in? What was the most impactful uh, friend situation you've been in? And so the reason for doing this is because A, they get to tell their story, which is cool, right? You get you get to you get to say, hey, this is who I am, and then the, their peers get to know about them. But B, they get to find common ground, bro. And I believe that that's what humans lack, right? That's what there's so much there's so much division, dog. Like, uh, we I mean we don't have to get into it, but politically, America's hella divided, right? Neighborhoods are divided, right, based on what block you live on. Right. Uh, society's divided based on what uh, socioeconomic status you fall on. Uh, and so for me, that's all happening. I'm not going to fix the political system. You feel me? I'm not going to fix the class-based system. I'm not going to fix all these things by myself. But if I could teach these students how to find more common ground, how to learn how to work together, build ideas together, maybe we can get to a better place socially. So that's what I try to leverage. Right? I try to leverage the social aspect of the classroom, right, where there's 20 to 30 uh, young people, young minds, right, that are ready to learn, right, as well as the reading aspect. So for me, is healthy socialization and literacy. I like that. I like that that you're not just going by the book and sticking to whatever uh, you have to do the curriculum and just do that and then just go home. I appreciate that fact that you know these young minds are you know seeing different things that are going to help them with daily life. Whether it's the financial, where it's like literally you got to understand what you're reading. I just read it just because, you know, because you can read it, like read it to understand what they're really saying within this contracts or different things like that. Okay, exactly. so, so both of you were raised around the L.A. area. And, you know, of course, you look at the news or movies or whatever. Everything's about related to gang, gang violence and different things like that. But how did y'all maneuver when y'all were younger not to be part of that life? Or, or, or steering away from being that, or like whether it be part of a gang or whatever the case might be. That's for cool. both. Yeah, bro. So for me, uh, another powerful question, bro. For me, the way I maneuvered around like uh, gang culture in LA was, um, well, two things. I, I had a lot of self-determination of like not joining the, the local neighborhood, like, um, I have I had very strict parents, bro. I'll get I gotta give that up to my parents. They were very strict, and I guess I feared my parents more than I feared the block. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I feel you on that one too. Uh, so shout out to my mom, bro. My mom, you know, she gave me a lot of trauma, but she gave me a lot of ganas and a lot of heart, bro. A lot of corazón. Like I, I not that I wasn't scared. Of course, I was scared. Like who's not scared of the tough kids? You know. Um, but it was more like I, I I just never gave in. So that was number one, right? Self-determination, right? Knowing who I was at a young age, I guess, or thinking I knew who I was, which was a, a schoolboy. That's what I was called. You were schoolboy. You were square. And just kind of like being like, all right, I guess I'm a schoolboy. I'm a square, you know? <laughs> um, and I was blessed, bro. I was blessed by I always um, I always had foods that had my back, bro. I was like the kid, like the Kendrick Lamar, bro. Like, like, like straight up banged out kids would protect me, bro. Like anytime things got out of hand. That's why I don't, that's why I don't like, I don't glorify gang culture, right? Cause 
there, there's no need to glorify it, right? But I also like understand a lot of the reasons why it exists, you know? Right, right. Uh, from like a family aspect, and yeah, bro, I, I had I had a a banged out kid from a hood in middle school straight up treat me like I was family when I was getting bullied. No one stood up for me, bro. No, not a freaking teacher, not a principal. Not other tough kids, but uh, but guess who did, bro? A gangbanger stood up for me. That's and dope. so I was blessed, bro. So I, I, I thank God, you know, for that kid. I also had another hood kid protect me in, in high school. So, like, it, I was blessed, bro. I, I, I said, God sent me angels through hood kids that banged. Um, and as well as uh, self-determination. Shout out to my mama. And shout out to the banged out fools that looked out for me. <laughs> hey, I think they saw the potential in you. You understand that, you know, you, it wasn't for you. And then, you know, they weren't going to let anybody come to you because they knew you had somewhere to be. You know what I mean? And that's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah, bro. God bless their souls, bro. What those about you, J Flow? Those, those who protected me, man, when I couldn't protect myself. Absolutely. What about you, J Flow? How do, how do you maneuver around that? Bro, I didn't want none of that smoke, bro. For real, you know, I was just like, "Damn, like motherfuckers is getting shot, like motherfuckers is getting like suspended and OT'd, and like, I was just like, it's a lot of drama, bro. You're 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 getting beat like because you want to, like what the <laughs> fuck, like that shit didn't make no sense. They didn't add up to you, huh? <laughs> yeah, um, and and then so that's one side, right? I'm like. I'm like adding the numbers and I'm just like, fool, what the fuck? Like this, this shit don't, this, this business ain't for me. Yeah. And then on the other side, dude, my dad was like a scary dude, man. Like I just, I, I knew what the consequences would be, you know? And my dad was always like that fool that was like, oh, oh you know, están caminando con los pantalones como si están cagados. ¿Por qué no, por qué no se, por qué no se rayan el culo? You know, so I, I knew for sure. Yeah. That that shit was not gonna crack in my house, you know. Yeah, from like piercings to tattoos to the way that I dress, like all of that. Like my father is like a strong Mexican machista, and you know what what he said went down. And um, I saw him beat people uh, in the family, uh, outside of the family. So I knew that I was going to be part of that legacy of kids getting beat. And I was just like, you know what? I was a middle child, so I got to see a lot of my older siblings receive, like, beatings, bro. I'm talking about, like, shit that, you know, you're just like, what the fuck? How is this shit allowed? But it was in a generation before, you know, kids fucking used to call the cops on their parents and all this and all that. So um, I just knew, bro. I was like, bro, if I do something like this, like, not only am I going to face consequences in the streets, I'm going to face consequences at home when I oh, get yeah. to be a regular kid, mind my business, go play sports, have fun and, 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 and figure life out, you know? Uh, so, so for me, um, I'm very lucky, bro, that I was just able to see a lot of the kids and like, there were, some of them were my friends. I would help them do homework sometimes, you know, in class, they would look at me and be like, yo, yo, like Jesus, man, I see you done with your work. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 I, I am. They're like, shoot it. And I'd be like, all right, don't shit. Here you go. And then they'd be all cool with me and all this and all that. And before I know it, I'm walking around campus feeling good. You know, I'm just like, bro, 
these boys ain't gonna do shit to me because I help them in the classroom and they appreciate it. Everybody else ain't gonna do shit to me either because I'm nice. I was nice to everybody, bro. I was kicking it uh, with the punk rockers, with the biceps, with the fucking band geeks, with the fucking kids playing Pokemon cards. Like, and I was captain of the football team, so I was just like, I, I've always been smarter than the average bear. So yeah. when you're like that and you're in high school, it's an easy game, bro. It's an easy game. I fucking miss it because I chilled, bro. That's all I did in high school was chill, kick back, and score touchdowns. Awesome. So, it, you know, the, the streets were always there. And even today when I meet some of the homies from way back then, they're like, hey, fool, you tripped me out because you always knew what's up, but you never got involved. And I was like, yeah, no fucking shit, you know? Like, politicking through the politicking through the streets and school, keeping away from that, that bad juju. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh the one of the one of the lessons you mentioned, I think it was uh SGN regarding knowledge, like wisdom, knowledge being uh wisdom being uh powerful. But um, for me, I usually use like knowledge is really not power. It's whatever you do with the knowledge that is the true power, right? right? Like we can read a billion books, but if you do nothing with that, it doesn't really matter. It's what you put into action, which is kind of like sort of in the uh, alliance with the wisdom being the true power. Uh, but has there been any knowledge of any books that you read that you have put into practice that have changed maybe your life? Yeah, bro. Uh, for me, that's an easy answer. The Four Agreements. Uh, so I'm gonna have to read that book. I'm gonna have to go get that book too. It's right there. Look, yeah. uh, I've actually purchased a poster of it, and oh, I keep nice. it in my office. This is my work office. This is this is actually my first office. Um, you know, which I'm very proud of. Jesus is in his office. You know, uh, congrats, we, we both. Yeah. Thank you, bro. We we were both you know college educated, college graduate professionals with professional jobs and salaries and. And we're very proud of that. We worked freaking hard to get here, bro. You know, so we're very proud of it. But that right there is the four agreements. And uh, the wisdom that it shares is the first agreement, be impeccable with your word. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. The third agreement is don't make assumptions. And the fourth agreement is always do your best. And so these are core mm. guiding life principles that I strive to live by. I can't tell you that I follow them with fidelity and perfection each and every day. I'm a flawed human being, still learning. But those are four principles that I, I try to remind myself every day. So, for example, when someone says something to me that triggers a negative emotion, I tell myself, bro, are you taking this personally? Should you be taking it personally? Are you making an assumption about their intention? Right? Maybe, 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 maybe I need to take a step back and give that person some grace, show them some empathy, some compassion, right? Or or the fourth agreement, always do your best, right? If I'm sleeping in, right, I have this new goal of waking up at 4, 4, uh, 4 a.m. at least two times out of the week, right? That's one of my goals. And eventually I want to do it every day, mm -hmm. uh, Monday through Friday. And if, you know, my alarm goes off and I'm snoozing in, I ask myself, bro, are you doing your best? You're not. Right. Are, are you working towards your greatest potential? You're not. Right. Um, and the first agreement, which to me is the most important, be impeccable with your word. What does that mean? That means are your actions matching what's coming out of your mouth? Right. Mm. Are my actions matching what I'm saying? 
being impeccable with your word, right? If I'm preaching excellence, yeah, guys, this film, an author, excellence, seven less boodles and bag chasers. You got to be trauma informed. You got to educate yourself. But I'm not on my healing journey. I'm not eating right. I'm not spiritually centered. I'm feeding my mind garbage. I'm treating my wife like crap. I'm treating my students like crap. And I'm not respecting my colleagues. Then am I really uh, this fool that's chasing the bag in a healing centered way? Yeah. Or am I just chasing the bag just to chase the bag? You know what I mean? So uh, the four agreements, uh, <laughs> that's my answer to you. Uh, a book that has taught me important wisdom, not knowledge, wisdom, experiential forms of knowing that can be applied. The four agreements. I like that. I appreciate that very much. I'm going to definitely have to grab that book and uh, read it. Even though I'm not a, if I find an audio book, sure. I'm, I'm listen to the audio book, <laughs> but I will go get that book. Okay. So, uh, JFlo, you always talk about some of your posts about the matrix, the matrix, this, the matrix, that. And <laughs> what exactly are you referring to, to people that can better understand what do you mean? What does it mean to you when you talk the about system, that? The system, bro. The system. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, um, so, Life is very interesting. It's a very philosophical perspective, right? And I think we've all watched The Matrix. Yeah. And um, essentially what it is, is like this idea that we're all stuck in this false perception of existence where we're, we're minimalizing our own self-expression in the world by not leaving the cave as like Plato's allegory, uh, allegorical cave explains, right? Is that when we're born, we're giving all these ideas. And, and by the way, Don Miguel Ruiz speaks about this too, the author of that book, that when we're born, society shoves all this fucking bullshit into our minds. But we're born perfect, says Eckhart Tolle, in the sense we're like, when you see a child, and they're in their perfect nature. They play, they laugh, they cry, they experience the world freely, assuming that they have an adult that takes care of them, of course. Um, that child has not entered the matrix yet. And so the matrix essentially is the um, all the ideologies of the world that, that inoculate us with fear, with hatred, with pain, with trauma. So it's everything that blinds us from the truth, which I don't want to say what is the truth, but to my to my best guess, my best educated guess is that the closest thing to the truth is understanding that this is everything that matters. The moment, like being being present, being grounded, understanding that like if I'm here right now, Fully, I cannot feel fear. I cannot feel depression. I cannot feel anxiety mm -hmm. because I'm not looking to the future. I'm not looking to the past. I'm rooted in this moment of like communion with you, with SGN. And so I know I'm going everywhere, but in a nutshell, I think that there are multiple systems around us and all of these systems, they try to, they try to absorb our natural energy, right? by whether it's work, whether it's uh, like religion, whether it's all these different ideas. So in a nutshell, I think the matrix represents um, a world that is not the true, is, 
it's kind of like this hologram, if you can say. And kind of like a like a blindfold that, that they put over like society as far as what you potentially could be. And they blind you with the things that they keep telling you that you can't and different things like that. Something like that. Yeah, it's a false it's a false reality. Mm. It's a false reality. I, I think we, we can live in a state of abundance, of love, of prosperity, power. But it comes from within. And the matrix makes us believe that we're weak. Right. right? That we're oppressed, that we've been taken advantage of. And so when you allow this matrix to create that narrative, you can never escape. You're, you're, you're stuck in this cycle of like always questioning yourself. And, and it, it gets deeper and deeper, just like in the movie, right? When you follow the white rabbit, that motherfucker gets deep, right? But in a nutshell, it, it represents a, a false reality of existence that I think we must all challenge and challenge ourselves because um, I could be completely wrong. In, in this in this idea and this assumption uh but luckily you know i have <laughs> the rest of y'all to to remind me sometimes you know like hey bro like hmm maybe you're going maybe you're going the wrong direction and and these things help but that's kind of like what i mean uh when i when i talk about the matrix and the answer will be to you know deal with your trauma further educate yourself grow personally you know know and firmly believe in whatever you want to that everything's possible you just got to get to the point to get rid of all those thoughts beliefs that were implanted in you that it's not really who you are when you were born is that is that the answer kind of a little bit yeah knowledge yourself know thyself and nice. by knowing thyself and understanding that you are like the universe experiencing itself then by knowing yourself, then you know everything else. You you have a mastery of the universe, right? And when right. you when you walk with that power, dude, it, you begin to realize that you have way more power as you project into the world than not knowing yourself and and everything around you telling you what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to be. So knowledge of self is super key and important. Awesome. One more question for you, Ajay Flo. If you had a rapper in your class right now, what are you teaching him and telling him to make sure that he doesn't talk negatively about you instead of instead of talking negative, talk positive about you as a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I love that question, dog, because like uh, it, it, it always be the rappers, man, that be like, man, fuck my history teacher. Who the fuck is history? Um so honestly, for me, um, I'm not I, I'm going to tell him you could teach me more about life because you have this you have this creative expression and that's power, bro. Like, I just want you to know that you're a powerful being and that your words manifest into reality. So don't be just rapping about fucking zannies and fucking bitches and like. You know, I thought you was my fan. Now it's hot in here. So what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Like, mm. I want you to know that your words are powerful to write brilliance. And because that will become a reality, bro. A lot of these rappers be talking about they want to smoke and they get pop, bro. Because they're literally manifesting their reality. A lot of our favorite rappers started doing shit like that. Tupac and Tupac himself, right? Yep. And he was a genius, right? So for a genius, for his later years, for him to manifest his own death in that manner, I mean, 
I think that was just part of his destiny, you know, and and and, it, and it's tragically beautiful. But if I can reach that powerful creative mind, because these are some of the hardest kids sometimes, bro, because they're so driven by their own like intellect and creativity and 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 will that they that they're strong, man. These kids, I met a lot of these kids throughout my career, and they have strong personalities. And and my best method has always been letting them be, letting them exist. And when they're ready to receive a message, they come up to you and they ask you questions, right? So if this child was receptive and waiting for something, I would remind them of their own power and to write wisely so that they can manifest and create wisely as well. And hopefully they wouldn't write about their history teacher being a piece of shit, you know? <laughs> That's dope. And uh, the power of the word, uh, I, I don't fully understand it, but I know it's powerful. But like the Tupac thing, that thought came to my mind before is the reason why he ended up the way he was for the way that he, you know, even though it might have been art, but the words itself is just kind of like he made it come into reality, whatever he was saying on his songs, even kind of sort of even almost detailing the way that he was going to go. You know what I mean? So it's crazy to right. me the way that they do. Okay. So we're running short on time, but I cover, I got a couple more last minute questions. Okay. I really do enjoy y'all's uh, social media. Uh, the, the word of the day, all the ones motivational things that y'all do is, is dope. I appreciate. Uh, when was the idea of start implementing some more of that content in, in your IG? When did that come about? That was all you, right, Jay. So look, bro, I, I watch a lot of I watch a lot of powerful influencers, you know, um, whether, you know, I I can I can name so many. Right. And I started realizing I was like, damn, bro, like it, it, I don't care about fame, bro. I don't give a fuck about that shit. You know, in, in the in the in the perfect world, I would be rich anonymously and I would do great for society. You know, um, unfortunately. It don't really work like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I I don't have the skill to be able to do that uh, in the shadows. So I, from watching all these badass foods, I was like, okay, dude, they, they be posting. They be posting some shit online, bro. And, and, and you have to give free game. You have to. Otherwise, otherwise, you're never going to be able to build rapport with humans that later on are going to trust you enough to give you their money. Uh, to pay for something that 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 you want to go ahead and share with the people, you know. So, in a nutshell, um, it came from watching a lot of brilliant people share great information, um, and it doesn't take that much, bro. You know, like literally right now, I'll get my phone and I get a little thought, and if I wanna if I wanna practice it a couple times, I will. Sometimes I, the first try is what people hear, and and. It, 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 it comes from a place of like wanting to build again. It's like the book, building something, um, educating people, inspiring yeah. people yeah. And, and and sharing a little word with people that, that, that they resonate with, bro. And it's such a beautiful thing, bro. And when people resonate with what you say and, and I'll be the first to say, I'm still a fool. Yeah. I'm still a fool. I think, but, you know, sometimes it's just the frequency because sometimes you can hear a message from 10 people and like sometimes 
nine of them done nothing. They say the same exact thing, but they don't, you can't relate to them except for that, that tenth one. All of a sudden, for whatever reason, their voice, whatever, is just kind of more appealing to you. And and you could be that that voice to somebody that they listen to someone, a, a creator saying so, something similar, but they couldn't relate. And all of a sudden, your pitch, your tone, whatever it was, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, I hear it. I hear what he's talking about. Thanks, bro. Okay. So when is the new book coming out? What's the title? And do you have a date for it? I know that you're working on the book. Oh, my boy. My boy wants, my boy went into the archives. Is it almost ready? Um, you have a title yet, a date? Man, we definitely have have some working titles. Uh, we're not we're we're not at liberty to share the titles at the moment. Okay. Uh, but we definitely have some working titles. Uh, I would say, I don't want to put a number on it, but I'll I'll, I'll be uh I'll be humble and say the manuscript is more than halfway finished at the moment. Would you agree with that, J Flo? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, being humble about it, it's definitely more than halfway finished. Um, we're not gonna put a release date on it because we want it to be like uh, this might be like one of our best works, bro. So uh, we 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 don't want to put a release date on it. Uh, we're willing to wait as as long as necessary for, for it to to maybe not as long as necessary, but we don't want to rush it, right? Uh, so we don't have a release date yet, bro. I don't want to. I don't want to like say put a date and then <laughs> we you know we don't meet that deadline. I don't know if you want to speak on that a little more, Jesus. Yeah, bro. Honestly, I would love to. Sh- I would love to share um, these these working titles because we got some fucking fire. But at the same time, it's uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, like a, like a. It would be a premature. Um, uh, a premium, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and I totally it respect be, it. Yeah. I just heard y'all on a podcast talking about it. Maybe y'all had something, but I'm glad that y'all are working another one. I already did one. Y'all were able to get the system down to get a book out now. So I'm pretty sure the the process is a little bit more refined for the second one. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be great. So awesome. I, I respect the fact if y'all don't have a date or a title, but I'm looking forward to whenever y'all, y'all are ready to get it out. Okay. Thank you, bro. We All appreciate right. that. Well, we do. I running out of time. I'd say the hour and something, but we went a little bit over. But real quickly, before I let y'all go, what is your all your social media? Where can they get you at? Yeah, so I'll, I can get started. Uh, so they can find me at Scholar Gamer Nerd on Instagram, and they can find us at Who's Gone Educated on Instagram. Yeah. Um. So at Who's Gone Educated, you know, is where my my public um information is gonna go on i i recently made my my personal one uh private um just because um i think it's i i think it's important to to kind of start kind of like differentiating um and there's all these people that just i i hate the motherfuckers that just be keeping tags on you uh but but they don't show you no love they don't share your shit and I'm just tired of them, like, knowing what the fuck I'm up to, you know? So <laughs> that personal one, it's now private. But all my food's gotten educated shit, you know? That's, gonna, that's like, that's like... I missed that's the cut. I, I, I just barely seen you requesting your personal one. I missed the cut on that one. So good, though. But yeah, nah, nah, I got nah, you on the nah, Global Land cool, Factor. Bro. We cool. Hit me up. Hit me up on that. We, we good. <laughs> hey, okay. man, I'm going to make mine private, bro. Because I do... I, I actually, I never thought about that, but I, I don't like that, bro. How you going to be on my stories? 
But you're not gonna like my post. No interaction, nothing. I feel you, you know on that because I, mean? I get like, that. Like it, it, so people that come through my the podcast. I'm sorry for interruption. You were saying? No, no, go for it. So yeah, I feel the same way as y'all. Their stories don't match the likes on the post, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, you know, I I know you're seeing it. I just know you're not liking it, sharing it, whatever the case might be. I mean, I don't know what are, what are y'all doing here? Who are you? Who sent y'all? And I, you yeah, know, I, is, I, I agree. Is. I agree. We some weird, we some weird motherfuckers on it. So I, I, we're on the same page. Yeah. And if you want to catch the book, if you get the book, uh, you can go to Amazon. But where else can they get the book? It's uh, where else can they pick up the book? Whether it's a digital copy or actual the the actual hard copy. Yes, sir. So for people interested in purchasing this who seven lessons from burros and back chases, one of the most epic personal development books you will ever read. You can find it on hardcover and on paperback on Amazon. Um, you can also find it on Kindle on Amazon. You can also purchase it via Ingram Spark. It's also available at Barnes and Nobles and at many independent bookstores uh, across Los Angeles and different parts of the United States. Uh, so it's available everywhere. I just have your pick, you know, and, and it ships uh, internationally and uh, domestically in the United States. Awesome. And uh, J-Flow, I still got you there. Can you repeat that? Yeah. So you're, uh, as far as like the book itself, uh, I'm sorry. I think I, you already, he answered the question for you. My bad. I, I just seen you, you were gone. So I'm make sure, making sure you're there still. Okay. One last, uh, a couple more last questions before I let you go. So one of them is if you can, uh, a lesson that you learned in anything that you're doing in life that you could tell your younger self that can help somebody else, what would that be from both of you? Ooh, can I start, bro? I know this lesson. That's a beautiful question. Crispin, the lesson that I would tell my younger self is that don't worry. Everything you need is in your soul. Nice. I like that. What about yourself, J Flo? I guess for me, it would be more about like loving yourself and, and being confident. Like, I mean, it takes you a long way, bro. Because when you're young, everything hurts you. And <laughs> In reality, it's like, dude, when you talk to 60-year-olds, it's like they don't give a fuck about nothing. And this is like, damn, bro, that's how we that's how we gotta be. So you no know, uh loving yourself and, and being confident. Awesome. So the fact that you are you all are educators, um, you know, you expand in the minds of young people, not only as I mentioned earlier, just following by the book, but telling them and setting them up for, for the future. And the fact that you have a book that you wrote that that's reaching worldwide, you know, talking about Australia and different places, there's no doubt that both of y'all, uh, by being educators and everything, y'all definitely are a global Latin factor. So fools gone educated, you are a global Latin factor. We appreciate y'all very much. Hey, thank you, bro. We're happy to join the Global Latin Factor Familia Meets Food God Educated. Muchas gracias. We appreciate it, Christine. Okay. And one last question before I let y'all go. If anybody was to Google you in the future in some kind of search engine or Google, what do you hope for them to find about you or about your book? What would that be? Ooh. We start with j Flo this time. I would hope for them to find a a complex human being that admitted his faults that was imperfect but but had a huge heart 
and always wanted the best for his people, um, for humanity, and that I devoted my life to 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 working on myself, helping out uh, the family, uh, and in general, man, that just is a person that gave a fuck, you know, that really gave a fuck about people. Awesome. Yeah, what about yourself? Me, mm-hmm. Yeah, as for me, I would say if people were to search me up in the future, I would want them to find whatever they need. You know, if they need a little bit of inspiration, find that. If they need some motivation, find that. Uh, they, I hope they would find an individual that gave of himself and his time relentlessly, that emptied out the tank each and every day. And that was just real and honest, wasn't phony, wasn't manipulative, was just trying to engage in the highest human act, as Nipsey once said, which is to inspire somebody who try to inspire others to do better. Awesome. Beautiful. I appreciate both of you. And I'm going to close it out. Thank you very much. This was another episode of the Global Latin Factor podcast. Remember, we are just like you with the spice in this melting pot that it is the world. Till next time. Bye. Thanks, family. Thank you. Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the Global Latin Factor Podcast. If you are enjoying the content and the channel, go ahead and subscribe. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 subscribers so we can bring you more episodes, more channel. Go like, go subscribe, go write a comment. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Pero but in fact is a flamingo Coming to Havana and from Puerto Rico On a pirate ship, you don't know where do we go The birds of the jungle chasing fortune and...